1: Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks Podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go! All right, welcome back to the Ducks and Pucks Podcast, the show where we analyze the Ducks for you. And uh, this week was a crazy week, Eddie. We had the Ducks playing the Kings, the Wild. Had a game getting canceled, a, a snowstorm, had a big trade with uh, Garbutt coming to the Ducks, and all kinds of news going on. So we'll get you caught up on everything, the injuries and a, a bunch of other uh, info regarding the Ducks, and we'll start with the uh, the home game against the Kings, Eddie. Um, this was a game that uh, the Ducks ended up losing 3-1 to with, uh, or I'm sorry, 3-2, to uh, with a little bit of controversy in this one with a goal that wasn't allowed. But um, the Ducks got down uh, 3-1 to in the second period, and tried to rally, but uh, couldn't do it. They got one in third, but ended up losing 3-2. to two.
0: Yeah, and you know, it was the first time we'd played the Kings all season, which was, uh, I mean, something we're not really used to. We, we we're used to facing them a couple times before now, but uh, it was a typical Ducks-Kings game. It was physical, gritty at some times, and, and you know, uh, typical as the Ducks, a, a really, really poor second period. Uh, you know, really weren't outshot. They were outshot 12 to 11. It wasn't you know in shots. We've seen that a lot, that they don't really have a bad period getting pucks on the net. It's just uh, usually they get scored on two or three times. Um, and, it, and in this case, it lost in the game. Like you said, though, they, they came out strong in the third period, which we've we've seen as of late, which is reminiscent of last year. Um, they got one back. And then, like you said, Cogliano with the, the controversial kick. And you know we'll talk about that a little bit uh, in a bit. Um, doesn't count. Uh, they get a couple more chances, but in the end, they can't. You know, they can't end up finishing it off. But you know, still a great game and, and uh, a good effort against one of the top teams in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, this was an entertaining game, and like you said, it was a good effort. You know, it's a measuring stick, obviously, playing the Kings, and I really thought that the Ducks, uh, you know, deserved a better fate. They should have probably gone to overtime. Um, One of the good things was Perron came in on this game and he ended up getting, um, you know, for his first game as a duck, he ended up getting a goal. And and we'll talk about the other games as well. He's come in and played well. And I guess the interesting part of this game, Eddie, uh, was the third period. We saw all the lines get changed, everything was switched around, and it seemed to work. And we'll talk about more, but these line combinations is what Boudreaux has rolled with uh, since that game, or that period, actually.
0: Yeah, and it's something we've never seen in the fact that Patrick Moon is now centering uh, the, the makeshift second line with Perry and Raquel, which is uh, I, I doubt something he's really ever done in, in his professional career. Maybe it is career in general is is centering a um, playing center on a, on a big line. And we've got uh, Stewart and, and the new guy, David Perron with with Getzloff. Uh, and, you know, the Kessler line hasn't changed too much as we've seen Klogliano play with uh, Kessler and Silverberg before. Um, and it just worked. It, it worked in this period of the game. Uh, I mean, they technically, they had the, the game-tying goal, which was just allowed for, for a kick. And um, they all shot them 16-7. to 7. They had a lot of jump. And you know the, the lines continued into the next two games, which the, they ultimately ended up getting wins in. So, I mean, I could expect in the game coming up against Boston that we'd see these lines again.
1: Yeah, I think so for sure, and we'll talk a little bit more about the lines uh, later on in the show. We got some questions from some of the fans that we'll address. Uh, the other big issue in this game was the no-go call, which you know everybody was really uh, irritated uh, during the game when it happened. And um, I wasn't in my normal seat; I was actually on the other side of the, the arena for this game, so I didn't get to see the play up close like I normally did. And uh, at the game, it looked like a good play. Uh, Going home and and reviewing the replay, you could tell that he had turned his foot and and directed his foot towards the net, and that's why the goal was disallowed, which I don't have a problem with that on this particular play, according to the rule, Eddie, the way that it's stated. Uh, What's frustrating, though, is when you have another player by the name of Crosby that does something similar earlier in the same day. And that goal was allowed, and I understand the explanation of, the, of why that one was and one wasn't. Um, they were talking about Crosby's goal and saying how he doesn't turn his foot uh, and angle it as the puck comes towards him. Uh, but I just I don't like you know, the NHL Rule Forty Nine that talks about kicking. I, I think that it needs to be either changed in the wording or the application, Eddie, because we've just seen the Ducks, you know, be on the wrong side of this call way too many times.
0: Yeah, and. Um... The Crosby one is interesting because it, it takes the very fine details of the rule, um, and, and ends up getting counted. I mean, it, it, if you look at the rule, that both you know both calls were right. Cogliano did sweep his foot forward, and that's the reason the puck went in net. And Crosby kind of pushed his skate forward, um, didn't like direct the puck. He just angled his his uh, skate forward so the puck would deflect off of it. And by the definition of the rule, that that those are two good calls, but I think honestly, the rule is is kind of outdated. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with a guy if he can get it into the net by kicking it in the net. I don't have a problem with it. I don't see how it's unfair or, or you know, it's gonna ruin the game. I, I mean, I understand not being able to punch the puck in, not being able to throw it. I mean, in the case of Andrew Shaw in the playoffs, not being able to head the puck in. But I don't see an issue with kicking it in. I, I mean, I'm sure the rule will. Hopefully, eventually get uh, reviewed, but you know I've, I've heard nothing um, on the case.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard anything uh, contrary to that either. I mean, it's just unfortunate that that was the goal that you know decided. I mean, didn't decide the game, but I mean, if the, the the goals would ducks would have scored that goal, then you know it would have been a tie game. We would have maybe at least gone to overtime, or who knows, maybe a one. But that's the rule, and that's the way it is for now. I uh, don't have to like it, but you know they did apply it correctly, so that's the way it went for that game. But you know the positives, like we said, the ducks played better, the new lines worked out, and they carried this over into the next game against Minnesota. They ended up winning this one three to one. They they really didn't pull this one out till late. Eddie uh, yeah, Stoll scores the first goal for Minnesota. Stewart answers back in the first period, and a lot of back and forth in this game. But you know, not a lot of uh, quality chances. A uh, little bit of sloppy play in this one.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean the the Stoll goal. I mean, who else is going to score it? Uh, but, but a former king and you know, the Ducks did answer back relatively quickly. About three minutes later, uh, they they answered back and uh, Thedor. Uh, showing off his inner Scott Niedermeyer walking the blue line and firing a wrist shot that gets uh, tipped in by Chris Stewart. Uh, I think even if he didn't tip it, that was going top corner anyway. But uh, a great you know comeback to the first goal. And um, you know I think the key here too is that when they got through the second period this time relatively unscathed. Uh, a lot of shots in the second period for Minnesota, 14, but they all turned aside. Some good goaltending, some good defense as well. Um, and then the Ducks end up, you know, getting it out in the third period, playing a strong third period, uh, limiting the the chances that Minnesota had, and you know, Raquel uh, bounces on a a, a goal and, and gets it on that that new look line with uh, Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry, and uh, the Ducks are finally able to hit the empty net as, as Silverberg gets his six, uh, uh, which is a you know great for him. He's been hot as of late, so uh, and all around a good game against a really good team as well.
1: Yeah, and how, how sick was that goal by Raquel? I mean, you see that play with Perry, Maroon, and Raquel, the tic tac toe plays they were talking about, and they had talked about practicing it. That was just a thing of beauty, Eddie. And I mean, that was the play of the game for me in this one.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you expect to see that. I mean, we saw goals similar to that a couple of games ago with Theodore, Perry, and Getzlaf. Um And, you know, to, you you would expect to see Raquel and Perry on the score sheet in, in a play like that, but to see Patrick and Maroon. Uh, set up Raquel with that nice pass was, was something cool to see as well.
1: Yeah, and it was another good game. Uh, Gibson came in, uh, did what he needed to do. The Ducks uh, have been playing well. And like we said, the, the new-look lines, they they went with them in this game. Um, they have Perron and Stewart on the top line with uh, Getzloff. If you call that the top line, it's more like the Getzloff line. Then you have Perry with uh, Raquel and Maroon. And then Kessler... Uh, who's always pretty much been with Silverberg the whole year, and now uh, Cognano as well. So that's kind of your your three lines that the Ducks rolled with, the end of the Kings game and this game, and it's also what they would roll with going into Detroit. Um, but prior to going to Detroit, all kinds of craziness happened uh, in the uh, basically in the 48 hours of that Thursday and Friday. First was the trade that came out um, in the morning. Uh, where uh, Sekach was dealt to Chicago, and Ryan Garbutt, your favorite player uh, from the Dallas Stars, came over to the Ducks, and uh, it was kind of crazy the reactions that, um, that morning. Uh, Eddie, I mean, there's just so much negative um, comments about Garbutt, and I mean, it's understandable. Don't get me wrong; it's totally understandable. I mean, you go back to the Dallas series a couple years ago and all the things that happened with him and Perry and, and Getzloff, and then, all, of course, later on with Robodust getting rehurt and all these other things, uh, running into the goalie. I mean, there's so, so many things to talk about. But put the emotions aside, and, and you know, let's talk about this trade. Um, I, I, I didn't expect Garbutt to come here, obviously, as most of us didn't, but I wasn't surprised to see Sekech go. Uh, he yeah, He's a fan favorite, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't really producing too much for the Ducks, Eddie.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, he was playing a limited role. He was playing third line, fourth line, also getting scratched too. And I mean, when he came over, I loved the trade. I thought he had a lot of upside. Uh, I thought, you know, this season uh, would be his season to, you know, really jump out and, and, and take a top six role on the Ducks. I mean, he'd played a, in the KHL previously. Maybe he was just getting used to the smaller ice. It would take him some time, but, you know, he really didn't catch hold. He only had four points uh, in, in, the, in the season, and. You know, Garbert comes over in the deal. I think that's the only surprising thing. I'm not, like you said, I'm not surprised to see Secatch go. Um, but to bring it, to, you know, send out a 23 year old RFA uh, who has, still has some potential to, to be a top six forward, in my opinion. Um, and you bring in a 30 year old grinder in Ryan Garbert, um, it's a little confusing when you're looking for goal scoring. I mean, I don't hate the trade. I mean, a lot of people do hate Ryan Garvey, but, I, you know, the players put all these things aside. We've seen Kessler come into this organization. We've seen BX and, you know, they've had dust-ups with Corey Perry in the past, and even with the, you know, other Ducks players in the past, too, and that's worked out well. So, I mean, I don't hate the trade in, trade in general. I just think it's weird to, to trade such a young guy with potential for, for an older veteran.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, that that was one part of the concern, and and that's why when we were talking about the article, I said, you know, why the trade could work. Uh, you know, trying to glean some positives from this, and uh, the main thing is going towards the net, Eddie. I think uh, you bring in Garvit, you bring in a guy that's going to get tough on the the forecheck. Uh, he's going to go into the corners, he's going to get in front of the net, and he's going to cause chaos against the other team. He's also an agitator, just like Perry's an agitator, and he's going to irritate the hell out of the star players of the other team. So those are all the things I, I that I see as the reasons why Boudreaux and Murray want this guy in the team. Uh, like you said, the age, you know, and obviously the potential for offense on set catch is definitely more in his favor. So that, that's just where I see it. I, like I'm kind of in the same boat as you as I don't hate the trade.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: You know, I understand it, and that—that's the info that I'm putting out there of why it happened. Um, you don't have to like it, you don't have to love it, which I, you know both of us don't. But um, it's just what we're going to have to deal with now for the rest of the season. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Sekatch is gone. and I, I thought maybe the Ducks could have got a little bit more for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they weren't going to get a lot with with. Uh, I mean, we gave up DSP to get him, uh, which I think was a fair trade. I honestly loved that trade at the at the time. He wasn't. He was producing well in in Montreal. You know, he obviously went to the All Star game for from one of the top rookies. You know, you know, trailed off a bit when he came to the Ducks. Uh, didn't have a great start, so I wasn't expecting a ton. But you know, like you said, it's just a little bit weird. I mean, you get you see prospects get traded for veterans all the time, but when they're producing at about the same level, it's it's just a, a little questionable.
1: Yeah, and a surprise for sure. And another surprise that came this week was the uh, first time in history a Ducks game was canceled due to weather. The Ducks were scheduled to do back-to-back against Washington and then Detroit. They actually flew into Washington, and if you follow Dan Wood and Eric Stevens, they were giving updates all over Twitter with the, um, the weather and whatnot. And, you know, it just ended up not panning out. They, um, they maybe could have played the game. They tried to move it up earlier. If you remember, it was going to be a 4 o'clock uh, Pacific time start. Then they pushed it to a 2 o'clock start, and then they ended up ultimately canceling it because uh, the storm came in later on, and they were able to actually you know, fly out. They de-iced the plane. They snowplowed the, the uh, runway and actually got out of the airport just in time. Um, but uh, it, they just couldn't risk playing that game and then getting stuck, Eddie, Um, I guess it was a trade-off. They could have played Washington, but maybe they wouldn't have been able to play Detroit. But I still think it was the right decision to cancel the game, and and no word yet on when it's going to be.
0: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people at the time were were confused. There wasn't a lot of snow. It just started snowing in Washington, but uh, it didn't take long for the conditions to, to become too bad to, to fly out of. And, you know, like you said, luckily they, they did cancel the, the game at the time they did and they were able to get out there. If they had uh, stayed there even for maybe another hour, they might not have been able to uh, to get out of Washington and, and you would have had to have both games canceled. So, um, you know, a good decision by the league, you know, got it not just with the player safety as well, but with the fan safety, with a lot of people traveling from, from outside the area and, and coming to the game you know they might as well stay home and and not get on the the roads in the those nasty conditions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that's what they ended up having to do. So the Ducks uh, you know went to Detroit. Uh they had Garbett join them over there and the Ducks uh, ended up uh, taking out Detroit last night in a pretty, a pretty uh intense game. Um the the Ducks won this one. 4-3, uh, to three, Eddie, but it started out just like the last game. They gave up an early goal. Uh, Helm sneaks in behind uh, Theodore, ends up getting a breakaway and burning Gibson uh, early. But then I like the way that the Ducks responded after that. Basically, um, Perry and, and Kessler took over this entire game for the Ducks. They both scored in the first period to give the Ducks a 2-1 to lead. And then they again uh, both scored in the third period to put this one out of reach um, Detroit rallied and got a late goal, but they ended up winning this one um, four to three in favor of the Ducks. Eddie,
0: yeah, and I mean, I think this is the first game that we've seen uh, Shea Theodore actually look like a rookie out there. Uh, he got burned by by Darren Helm, underestimated his speed in in the first goal, and you know, again Gibson too. Uh, the, the the way he, he approaches uh, breakaways in this game, I'm not going to get into it too much, but uh, they were even talking about it on on the the Red Wings uh, feed for the broadcast and. He kind of just flops over, and you don't see that a ton anymore um, in the NHL. I mean, we you see Freddie when he approaches breakaways, uh, he likes to stay upright. Most goalies did, they like to stay upright and, and kind of do a strong push to one side and, and attempt to stop it. But uh, Gaby on both almost three times, he you know attempted to sprawl out and uh, You don't see it work too often. Didn't work on this play either. But uh, you know a strong pushback in the first period too. Uh, they kind of woke up after that that first goal. I mean, reminiscent to the last time they played Detroit and you know Kessler that that new look line with Cagliano and Kessler's uh, line looked really good. Kessler ended up grabbing the goal. Uh, Perry gets a goal to to finish out the first period. Uh, you move into the second period again. Uh, a little bit of a sloppy play in the second period. Uh, Theodore made a couple more mistakes. Um, he was on the ice for the Thomas Yurko goal. You can't really fault him. Uh, Lindholm got caught behind the play. He was down on the ice. Uh, couldn't get up and play back, so Theodore was back with Getzlaff. Uh, he did the right thing to go over and support Getzlaff, who's the forward. Fortunately, it was a three-on-two. Uh, Yurko was away and and got a breakaway. And again, not much Gibson can do on, on that play. Uh, but like, like you said, going to the third period, and, and we've seen that lately, they've been able to come out and play strong early on in the third period, and, and they grabbed two quick goals with a, a high, highlight reel goal from, from Ryan Kessler. And I mean, he was at his best that we've seen him all season in this game, and uh, you know, luckily they're able to squeak out a win.
1: Yeah, and I do think part of this win uh, came from them not having to play the Capitals the night before Eddie. Because I mean, you go in there playing Washington, the best team in the league. Uh, They you know only lost eight games in regulation. Uh, Instead, you're able to you know you you fly out of Washington, you get into Detroit. You know, hope you know I think they got a decent night's sleep. You know, and they were able to get up and skate. And I think that definitely helped the Ducks because they really put on the pressure in this game. Even with despite that first goal and the mistake, you know, just a minute in, uh, overall the Ducks played a good game, uh, much better than they did against Minnesota. Um, the only issue I saw was probably the power play. They ended up going zero for four on the power play, and and sometimes had trouble getting set up. So the power play was not sharp in this game. Um, and, and a little bit on defense, as you mentioned, with a couple times Theodore being uh, getting burned there, and then Gibson as well, giving up some big rebounds. But overall, they played a, a good, solid game, a game that they needed to win uh, against Detroit that you know had beat them before, so got a little bit of payback in this one. And I just really liked the play of all the lines. Uh, they all did well. Um, you had Garbutt on the fourth line with uh, Thompson and Horkoff. And he was talked to too. Uh, this has been the concern that you know some of uh, the fans have mentioned too—is taking stupid penalties. So it was nice to see him play solid and not do anything, you know, overly crazy. And that's going to be the one thing that we're going to have to watch with him. But uh, in this game, overall, it was a good performance, and the Ducks prevailed.
0: Yeah, I think a good thing too is is this game is not going to be rescheduled anytime soon. Most likely, it's going to end up being the 82nd game of the season. Um and with the the position that the Caps are in, I mean, usually the way the the last few games of the season go, you see a lot of teams who have already clinched playoff spots. They end up resting their stars. I mean, we might still be fighting for a playoff spot by the time we the last game of the season comes, and uh, we, will, we might be playing a Caps team who's resting Holtby, who's resting Ovechkin. You know, could be resting Backstrom, some of their top players. So it might be an easier game near the end of the season than it would have been. Um, you know, uh, yeah, two days ago, uh, luckily it got canceled when it did, and you know it couldn't, it couldn't come up, come back to, to benefit the Ducks in the long run.
1: You know, you make an excellent point, there Eddie. I didn't even think about that too, and you're right. If it is the last game of the season, and Washington's locked up the first seed, which I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot going on, but that could very well happen. That's a very good point that they could rest their players, and maybe a game where the Ducks. May need the points. We've talked about this season, and we've said how it may come down to the final week or final game. So that's a good point. And uh, as you mentioned, the league has not uh, rescheduled it yet. They also actually canceled the other game uh, with Washington and the Penguins, and they're trying to get that situated. So they've had to cancel a few games with what's going on, on the East Coast. Um, and that's where the Ducks are still going to stay. Uh, their next game will be against Boston on Tuesday before the All-Star break. I'm pretty sure that the lines will stay the same and though the Ducks may get some additions Eddie uh, there was some news yesterday Hayward was talking uh, on the pregame show uh, about Dupree and Fowler and he said that uh, either one or both could be available for Tuesday's game Um, Dupree also scored a goal and the uh, goals lost last night Um, he's had an assist as well and he's been playing decently down there so that's some good news, Eddie. We could see them soon, but I don't know if we'll see them on Tuesday or not. Uh,
0: yeah, but even even just hearing that they're almost ready to be back and that they, they should be back in a, in a game or two um, is it, just great to hear. And, I mean, it, it creates a problem, though, on defense. I mean, Stoner is still out, um, but you'd be expecting these three guys to come back within around the same time of each other, especially with the reports, like you said, coming out that Fowler and Dupre uh, should be back soon. Uh, you're gonna expect some guys to get sent down and, and possibly a trade. I know we've talked about it a bit. There, there's kind of a logjam on defense now with uh, Theodore coming up and proving he deserves to be here. Manson's proved that he deserves to be here all season. So um, when you got three guys who should be starting coming back, and you know you've already got, I mean, six guys playing right now. Uh, who who can make the lineup? It's a tough decision. I mean, we all think Glenn Denning will probably get sent down, or, or, or will stay down in the minors, and Holtzer would be another option that they could send down. But from there, it gets uh, a little confusing. I mean, BX is obviously going to stay up. You would expect Fowler to play uh, when they come back to stay up. Lindholm as well. Um, and then you look at it. I mean Vatn, and you would expect to stay up unless he gets dealt. He's the most likely guy to to get traded if anybody is to get traded. Um, but if he doesn't, he locks up a spot on, on the defense, and then you've got a, a sixth spot between Manson, Stoner, and Theodore. And then, you know, you probably play the $3 million guy in that spot, and you don't want any of those guys playing the sixth spot, And but you can't really send them down. So it's definitely a tough situation. And, you know, honestly, by the trade deadline, I would expect them to move uh, one defender if not two.
1: Yeah, good points there, Eddie. Uh, that was one of the questions we had from uh... – Little Hedge on uh, Twitter had asked about the the blue line and and who would be the odd man out. Um, It's a tough situation. I really think, like you said, it would come down to Stoner, uh, Manson, and Theodore if if uh, Fowler and Dupree come back and they're healthy and nobody's moved. Um, And that's a tough situation. Um, You know, you could you can keep one up and have a seventh uh, guy, but you still got to send somebody down. So it it would be tough. Uh, Like you said, you have Stoner, the three million dollar man. And then it would probably come down to Manson or Theodore. And I, it's tough. I like both those guys, but they have different roles and it's going to be interesting to see who they would send down if one or two uh, defensemen aren't moved. But it sounds like that's what the, this, the trend is going for the Ducks uh, on the trade front. Um, he had some, another question asked about that as far as, you know, do, do we see that the Ducks will make another move um, come this trade deadline? Uh, and I, I would, Say so yes, for sure. Um, something will happen. Something has to happen, Eddie. Um, the Ducks still have Hudobin that wants to play in the NHL. We've talked about that at length. There's really no need to go back into that. But in terms of the defense, there's so many guys that the Ducks have, they can easily move somebody and uh, for sure try to pick up another forward more in the scoring realm that we're looking at.
0: Yeah, and with uh, you know Murray kind of clearing out the list of RFAs that, that he has to sign – uh it kind of frees up some room I mean if they were to trade Voughton too that frees up another RFA you might be able to bring in a guy who isn't just a UFA who might have a year or two left on his contract um and but you freed up that space by moving Voughton in that you have that option now and you know it, it's tough I mean Murray said he wasn't done um after they had gone in and and, and traded for, um, You know, I doubt that the carpet trade is what he was was alluding to, and especially with the guys coming back healthy. And when I think the key thing too is when they're coming back healthy. They're coming back healthy with a month before the deadline. Um, I I don't think he's gonna rush anything. You know, he'll wait and see how they are. Probably you know mid February, and then assess if it is uh, a trade that needs to be made. But I'm sure he's shopping right now. He's looking out there, and and, and his name has to be uh, the one that's out there right now.
1: Yeah, and we've heard that name a lot you know, with the Druin uh, word out there, which we'll talk about the Druin uh, saga a little bit later in the show. But um, he could be one that's going to be out there. And and the issue comes down to the RFAs um, that we have to consider. That's what uh, Alexander asked us about is, you know, will the Ducks be able to sign all the RFAs? And the main ones you have right now are Raquel, Botnan, Anderson, and Lindholm. Uh, You have to re-sign Raquel. all, all of those if you can. But if there's one that you can't, if there's an odd man out of that group, uh, it could be Anderson or it could be Vaughn. That, that's my take on it. I, I really think the Ducks keep, uh, Anderson and try to trade who but you know, stranger things have happen. I mean, who, who thought Garbert would be on the team? So, um, I think it comes down to one of those two, Eddie, but I think because the Ducks, like you said, they're, they're heavy on the defense and that's what we're going to see. Another thing that, um, uh, has come up recently to my attention too is, um, Uh, not necessarily that Duchesne um, wants out of Colorado. That's kind of been out there. But I've heard that the Ducks are interested in Duchesne. Um, There's been no formal uh, offer or anything like that that I've heard, but I just know that there's interest there. So keep your eyes out on Duchesne. He may get moved out of Colorado and may not be the Ducks, but I'm just saying keep your eye on it. There is some interest there. So there's a little bit of updates on that, Eddie, uh, as far as what trade news is out there.
0: Yeah, and that's a tough deal to make. Uh, I mean, they're actually back in a playoff spot right now, which makes that deal even harder. Um, also, the fact that that Duchesne is on six million dollars a year in, until twenty nineteen twenty twenty. Uh, that's a tough deal for a team like Anaheim, who has to sign all these players and already has three guys over that that six million dollar range. Um, you know, it it would be a great trade. You know, no doubt, and in him playing. Um, top six minutes, with the Ducks would would be, you know, would, would definitely help our goal scoring. But I think the fact that now they're back in a, in a playoff spot, the rumors on Duchene have cooled. Um, a lot of them were coming out when they were struggling. Uh, you know, not just a month ago. So, um, I, I think he will stay in Colorado. Um, but he's definitely a guy the Ducks will be looking at just to, you know, just to test if he's available.
1: Yeah, I don't know if anything will actually come of it. It's just the word that I got from a team source that, that they're looking at him. So they'll have to see. Because like you said, it's going to have to be a substantial type of deal for that to go down. So, uh, But you know, we never know with Murray. We just don't know what he's going to do. So we're going to have to keep our ears to the ground here for the next month until the trade deadline and and see what happens. Some other questions we had. um, We had another one from Raymond. He asked about um, Jacob Silverberg and how well he's played, and he's also asked about the new line combinations. And um, Jacob has been on fire uh, lately, Eddie. Uh, You know, we talked about this earlier in the season where he wasn't, you know, really doing as well with uh, Kessler, and and now he's got uh, three goals and and six uh, assists here in the last handful of games, and, and he's been playing really lights out uh, on the, on that line. Well, I was going to say second line, but Kessler line with uh, Cognato now.
0: Yeah, and he was only kept off, the in his last five games, he was only kept off the score sheet in, in the game against L.A. Um, so, you know, three goals uh, uh, and, and seven points in, in that five-game span, and, and that's great for him to see him get back. I mean, the game before he... He came back against Ottawa and you know got two points and then went to Dallas and got two more points and you know I said he, he really doesn't look the same um after getting hit by Rafi Torres in preseason. And and you know he's kinda come back to that form lately. He's he's you know, he's setting guys up, he's getting goals, I mean he's using his shot. His shooting percentage is, is really low this year. He's been shooting the puck a lot. He just hasn't hasn't getting, been getting rewarded for it until lately, which is nice to see. He's a guy that we expected to do really well this year. And I mean in our preseason projections we said that this is a guy that could possibly score thirty goals on, on a good ducks team. Um and you know, after that hit it was all up in the air. So it's nice to see him get back to playing um at the level we expect of him.
1: Yeah, now you've got Kessler, you know, rolling lately too. He's now uh, got 10 goals on the season. Raquel's got 10 now. So now we've got three guys in double digits. Finally, it's not just Perry. <sighs> it's the only one scoring goals. So we ha- have this working. But these line combinations, you know, everybody was skeptical of them at first. And, I mean, I was too a little bit. Uh, we split uh, Getzloff and Perry early in the season, and that did not pan out. But the personnel's changed a little bit. The situation's a little bit different. One thing to note that you know maybe some people weren't aware of is that uh, Perron and Stewart they actually played together in St. Louis for um, two plus seasons, and uh, not all the games, but there was a good chunk that they played together on the same line. So once that move was made with uh, Getzlaf there, it made more sense to me, Eddie, and it and it seemed to work out. I mean, if you look at Perron, he's played in three games now for the Ducks, and he's got three points in each of those games. So I mean, it's so far so good uh, on that trade front.
0: Yeah, and I really did like that trade when it happened. I mean, Hagelin—he played hard. He, you know, he's a quick player, he uses his speed, but it—it it just didn't seem to fit. In the way the Western Conference is played, And, I mean, he's gone to to Pittsburgh. He's playing on the line with Malkin and Kessel, and it's been working out for him. He's picked up, I believe, three assists so far, which and and most of them in primary assists too, which is good for him. And and Perron's came in and and he's fit right back into the Western Conference. I, I think he might still be a step or two behind. He's taken a couple holding penalties so far. Uh, I mean, he might just get used to the speed and the physicality of the Western Conference again and, and the style of the play that the Ducks the, the Ducks play. So I think he'll get used to it. And, and, you know, he's been putting all the points, so it doesn't even matter. He's got three points in, the, in three games, and there's there's not much more we, we could ask for from him.
1: Yeah, and I, I like the way it's going. And, you know, another player that we were a little bit hard on too earlier was uh, Maroon, and he seemed to come back a little bit to life too. I mean, playing with Raquel and, and Perry, they seem to be doing better. So... I mean, I still think that he's one that could be traded. You know, that's one of the guys that we also talked about in terms of offense. That you know, we, we had mentioned that may get moved. I, you know, I don't know the way that it's going now. It, it seems if these lines keep going, and you know, it's more likely to be a defenseman like we talked about. But he's another one to keep your eye on too to see if he may get moved. But so far, so good. I, I like the way the lines are going. Um, if you look at the time, uh, I did a little bit of math here in the last game to look over because uh, we tried to talk about which line is, you know, the first line, second line, third line, and, and everybody has a different opinion. So we, we kind of just changed it now. We, we go with the Getzloff, Kessler, and Perry line because they're all split up, and obviously those are the Ducks' big stars. But if you look at the time in the last game against Detroit, the Getzloff line had 42 minutes of even strength time. The Kessler line had 35, and the Perry line had 32. So it's pretty spread out there. It's actually pretty even amongst all the players. Uh, everybody was averaging um, pretty much between 10 and 12 minutes with uh, Getzloff getting you know 19 minutes, which is sometimes due to him being stuck on the ice out there. But I, I like it, Eddie. The Ducks are able to roll these three lines uh, almost in any game situation, and we saw that last night. Buto's not really afraid to throw anybody out there, and then when he has to, he throws out the uh, Thompson, Horkoff, and Garbert line when necessary, and it's working so far.
0: Yeah, and, and there's a little of everything on each line. I mean, Perry and maroon are big physical forwards and, and you know they'll go hard in the forecheck, check and, and there's skill on that line too with with raquel and perry and you know maroon's the type of player who who benefits from playing with with you know skilled guys i mean he's similar to how dustin penner played when when he played on the top line in anaheim and you know he'll, he'll fight he'll you know he made a really nice assist on on the goal a couple of nights ago and you know, I think that line's been working out and, and then the same with the, the Getzloff line as well. You got Stewart and, and off and even Perron who will throw their body around and Getzloff and Perron are some more skilled guys. Uh, Stewart still has a pretty good shot. He's got you know seven goals on the season as well. And you know, the same thing again with, with the Kessler, Coglano, Silverberg line uh, a little bit more speed on that line. Uh, but Kessler's a big guy. I'll throw his body around. And, you know, Cagliano's a good defensive forward, and so is Silverberg. So I, I like the combination of those three lines. I think the only thing I don't really like uh, is Maroon right now is taking faceoffs on on that second line, or I guess that makeshift second line. Uh, he's taking face So I, I don't really, I think that could be something they could work out. I, I don't think they want Raquel uh, to, to change up his, his play. They don't want to throw him in center and give him a, a bunch more responsibility um so I understand the move. It is just a little bit confusing to see a, a winger taking faceoffs right now. Um and I think the, the other thing too is a lot of people I <laughs> everybody knows it this season but but Gessler has to shoot the puck a lot more. Uh he found himself in a great position in the game against Detroit. Um and he threw it in the middle to I believe Perron and he was covered by two Detroit players and, and the play kind of fizzled out. So um that that's something, you know, he's got to work on as well.
1: Yeah, shoot the puck. <laughs> <laughs> saying you know everyone's saying that you hear at the game shoot the puck everyone's getting all crazy uh, especially up in the 400s you know where we get a little rowdy uh, once in a while um but yeah that's definitely uh, something that gets can do is, is you know shoot it a little bit more but having stewart and, and perron definitely help because they both go towards the net too as well so it kind of balances out a little bit but like you said yeah him shooting it more always will help out um you know we also talked about some stats here and we looked up some things uh, that go over to kind of compare some stuff about the ducks and how they've been doing uh the ducks now uh are scoring 2.02 02 goals per game on season which if you follow the ducks this season it's it's been tough for us to score um eddie and i looked up some stats before the show and we we talked about this and uh we go back to those the first ten games. <laughs> I know you don't want to remember the first ten games, but we just want to kind of give you a comparison. The um, first ten games, the Ducks only scored ten goals. So you know, if my math's correct, that's a goal of a game. So that's how they did, and they had five shutouts. So that didn't help them as well. Um, so. The flip side is we look at the last 10, Eddie, and you were doing some of these stats and everything. The Ducks have been on a roll 27 goals in the last 10 games for 2.7 average. They've really turned it around, Eddie.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you look at the teams above them, and it's the Blackhawks, the Capitals, you know, the Stars in, in those last 10 games. And those are teams you're really not going to score more goals than them. And, you know, the, the Blackhawks had, had won 12 games in a row. The Capitals have been good all season. They've been scoring goals. The Stars, they score goals at will. So. I mean, they've been around the top five in the last ten games in goals four. Um, you know, that, the, that first ten-game stretch where they went one, seven, and two set them back massively. I mean, one goal per game is just awful. And, and, you know, even in the middle stretch between them, they weren't scoring goals. But lately, it seemed to pick up. I mean, I still think they do need to go out and grab another goal score to, you know, to even out the lineup. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been a lot better. I mean, they've been scoring, you know, they've had a lot of games over four goals per game and, and, and even, you know, over three as well, which is which is something they need to get going. Uh, finally getting above two is a step in the right direction. They still are in the bottom um, in the league by a fair amount there. They have 2.02, 02, like you said, and the next lowest is the Sabres at uh, 2.23 per game. So they've got a little ways to go, um, but I, I think the, with the way they've been playing lately and, like the like we said, the new-look lines, uh, I think they have a good chance at at finally uh, consistently scoring goals.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I, I mean, I'm mean i really excited for the second half of the season. I really think that the the things that have gone on the last couple of weeks have really improved. It's still going to be a dogfight, like we said, until the end, because right now, uh, as we record this, the Ducks are behind Arizona by two points. They hit, the Ducks do have a game in hand. Uh, but it's all bottlenecks, you know, still with everybody behind uh, the Kings, obviously. So we're going to have to see. But some other good stats, too. Uh, the first 10 games, the Ducks only had 10 goals. Uh, since then, they've had 85 goals, and they've averaged 2.36 over that time. Still still not great, but, you know, obviously much better than doing the one goal a game uh, back in October. And if you look at the Ducks' record since that first 10 games, Eddie, 20, 11, and 5. Uh, you know, nothing to, you know, be uh, upset about there.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's just, a, it's tough to rebound from that start. I mean, I remember when, when we were doing the podcast when uh, at the end of that 10-game stretch and saying they're going to need to play really good hockey to, to get back into the playoff race. And, I mean, we've been lucky that the Pacific Division has been so poor. Uh, but that's a great record since that poor start. That's a, a great way to rebound and get back into a playoff spot. and. And you know, it, it uh, just it was such a tough stretch. I mean, there was a couple games in there where you think, you know, they could have got this. They they lost in a shootout to Vancouver, they lost in overtime to Chicago. Uh they lost to St. Louis with that bad bounce that came off the boards and hit Freddie in the back and went in. I mean, just so many unlucky bounces and and just poor play like you say getting shut out five times in that 10 game stretch is, it, it's just a great way to rebound and and you know, they've continued it here with, with two wins in a row now and and hopefully they'll be able to, you know, make a push and and, and lock up that playoff spot.
1: Yeah, I agree, and if you look at a lot of the games, uh, the homestand in these last games, the Ducks really haven't had a terrible game uh, going back to, you know, like the first 10, other than the one against Toronto, which, I mean, we all remember what great officiating was involved in that game, but, I mean, really, I mean, if you look at it, they've played solid hockey like 95 percent of the time in terms of you know overall play i mean obviously they still have some slumps in the second periods that we've talked about um which has been an issue for them that's still been kind of a concern but other than that eddie you have to really like the way that they're doing things overall and it's going to be exciting to watch the ducks down the stretch here
0: yeah i mean the defensive game has been strong all season offense is finally starting to come on power plays better pk is still good i mean everything seems to be clicking um, you know, hopefully we'll see a couple moves made maybe to to make the offense more consistent. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the deadline's coming up.
1: Yeah, and to kind of wrap up on the, the trade and some NHL news too, we had the, uh, the Druin saga. It still continues in Tampa Bay, Eddie. Uh, you know, he ended up not going to the uh, AHL game at uh, Syracuse and playing, and then the uh, agent issued that long letter uh, talking about um, that you know a trade might be coming, and you know it's in the best interest of his client to be rested, and then you have Eiserman coming out saying oh, that's not true and I mean this thing is just a complete mess. Um, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on on it and, and, and what do you think about
0: the situation? Well, if anybody uh, didn't believe that he played his last game as the Tampa Bay Lightning before, I, I think it's a little bit obvious now uh, he won't seems like he won't be playing a game with Syracuse or Tampa Bay. Until he's moved, um, just a just an awkward situation for a guy who really has no leverage other than him. That's I think that's the reason why he's not playing. I mean, other than him sitting out games, he has no leverage. He's a 20 year old. He's on an entry level contract. There's, the, the team's winning games right now in Tampa Bay. They have no need to move him. And I mean, this is really his only play, and the situation just gets uglier. I mean, a lot of people have backed out. Uh, from rumors of, of they've backed out on on pursuing him for a trade, it it just doesn't look good on a young player. I mean, it's reminiscent of, of Eric Lindros asking for a trade out of uh, out of Quebec. I mean, obviously he was a a, a better player at the time, and, and a lot of people were looking for him, and they you know the, the Flyers ended up giving up, giving up a lot to to get him. But the the way he's asking out of a trade and and refusing to play. It's just something you don't see often, especially from a young player.
1: Yeah, and that falls in line with Murray's comments. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the Ducks are, are not going to be going for this one either unless it's some you know ridiculously favorable deal towards Anaheim. So, I wouldn't really look at that. Um, you know, I look at the forwards that we had talked about, we had mentioned before. You know, uh, Winnipeg's still another team to look at. You know, Ladd was a name that we had mentioned. We also talked about Erickson, too. Uh, so those are a couple of the other names um, that we've looked at. Nothing, you know, official on any of that. That's just that's just some other player names that we've talked about, Eddie. I, th- I think you might have had a couple others, too, that you think that the Ducks might try to get.
0: Uh, yeah, mostly I, I would really like to see them go get Louis Erickson. I mean, Ocposo is, is still out there on the market. Uh, like you said, Andrew Ladd. Uh, Drew and kind of seems to, to be going away right now, but you know you can't put it past Bob Murray. Uh, I mean, in the end, <laughs> there's a good chance that we'll see somebody come to the Ducks. Uh, if a trade's made that, that wasn't even rumored to be, be on the market.
1: Yeah, you're right. And that's what he talked about too. in his other interview, he said, you know, there's players out there on the market that it's known that they're out on the market, but he goes, there's also players that they're looking at that aren't necessarily on the market. So, we got surprised this last week with garbage. So I would just, you know, keep your eyes open. We'll see what happens because there could be somebody coming that's not even mentioned at all out there, whether it's a rumor or, or a credible source or anything. So that's what kind of makes this next month a little crazy, I know, for a lot of the fans because we'll have to wait till the 29th uh, deadline, which, by the way, uh, you know, some uh, kind of goes into our updates for the, um, the website and whatnot. We'll be doing. Uh, Some uh, updates that day for you. I actually got the day off from work again, and we're not sure exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to do a lot of stuff on that day to keep you updated, kind of like we did last year with articles and whatnot, Um, so when the trades come out, um, if there are any trades that day, I mean, for the Ducks, that is, um, and we'll talk about the NHL in general too a little bit that day, but we'll have some of that going for you guys um, we have watch parties coming back. Um, January was a crazy month uh, with the homestand. There wasn't really a lot of road games where the um, El Ranchito restaurant was available. But we will be back there in orange um, coming up here on the 4th. And I put a, a event um, notification up on the uh, Facebook page. It's, it's uh, the facebook.com slash Pucks blog page. Um, so you can go on there. You can sign up for the event. It's got the address and all the info on there and I'll post it out in some more of the groups and stuff later on. Also trying some new things. Uh, connected the uh, the Twitter uh, account to the Facebook account now because I know some of you don't like Twitter and I, I, totally, I totally get it. So um, we can add that on there and you can look and see that there's updates. And you can see what's going on. So there's some updates there uh, coming up on the on the uh, the website and the blog and whatnot. And really, the only other news coming up, Eddie, is the All Star Game. Um, there was the that was another thing with a whole bunch of drama as well with the whole John Scott situation. So uh, this this gets moved around. Uh, the trade happens. Uh, you know, he's out of the All Star Game now. He's in the All Star Game, and uh, I don't know. The NHL it sounds like was just trying to cover up the whole mess there, Eddie.
0: Yeah, I mean we've only got one game this week leading up to the All Star game. Is it's Boston, and then you got a week off until they face uh, San Jose uh, between Tuesdays. So, uh, but like you said, it's just just a mess. Another another mess to deal with in the NHL. But uh, John Scott not being an All Star, then well being an All Star, being a captain, then not being an All Star, traded, now being back into the All Star game and captaining the Pacific Division, um, and he's also wearing a generic jersey. All star jersey uh, because he is technically not on an NHL roster right now. So, if he's a captain of the Pacific Division, he can't wear a uh, Coyotes jersey because he's not part of the organization. He's technically not part of the Montreal team right now. So, he can't wear a Montreal jersey. And that would also, I guess, negate him from being Pacific Division captain. So, and he's not going to wear a a St. John's Ice Caps jersey. So, uh, it's it, I understand it, and it's not to make him stand out, but unfortunately, that's what it's gonna do. If he wasn't already gonna stand out anyway, uh, now he's just wearing a generic all-star jersey, and he's gonna kind of stand out from the pack. But I mean, I'm glad he's back in. Um, I think the the whole this whole thing has been a joke in, in, to begin with, uh, with the fan voting. I, I doubt they're gonna do it again. Um, but yeah I mean just even the people who voted for him too it's on them as well I mean you can't blame the NHL solely for having fan voting a lot of people made this joke and it kind of took on from there and it's unfortunate that it turned into that
1: yeah I agree with you I mean yeah you gotta look at the league for for putting it out there too but you gotta look at the fans out there that thought it was so funny to put them in there and then cause all this drama so I expect the voting to definitely be changed next year whether or not they'll either not allow fan voting or maybe they'll allow it but limit it to certain players that's something that uh you know it's just my opinion that's what i would do um you know because you still want to have some fan involvement eddie I, I think a good compromise might be that uh, you let them vote but you, you only put it on a certain window if you're going to do it like this this whole captain thing like they did unless of course they change it and they go back to the whole regular thing i, I don't know but something's got to change for sure eddie
0: yeah well the fan voting was good in the fact that you know they end up voting yager and uh, if you had it done the system as in voting by off a list and by players based on points, then maybe you don't see a guy like Yager get in because he is having a good season, but he probably wouldn't have been on the list of top scorers in the Atlantic Division. So it's nice to see him get in there. I, I think he deserves it. He's 43. It's cool to see him go to an All-Star game. But then, like you said, it opens it up to to guy, people voting in John Scott. And, I mean, yeah, it's a tough situation. There's, there's benefits for having fan voting, and then there's uh, cons as well.
1: Yeah, and then luckily you and I don't have to figure that out.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's
1: the league to decide. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do something to, to get the situation resolved. Um, other than that, the uh, the only other thing that's been going on uh, lately is I also help out, um, co-own now the pucknetwork.com uh, and uh, looking to build up stuff for other websites and whatnot to cover other teams as well. So if you're a fan listening and and, and maybe you're not just a a Ducks fan, maybe you're a fan of other teams as well and you want to try to maybe do something with writing or social media, just drop me a line at um, Mike at DNPHockey.com and we'll try to get you going on that. Or if you want to do stuff with the Ducks too, of course, you know, that's our number one. So we'll always be doing stuff um, for Anaheim. Um, With that, we may or may not be back next week. Um, We'll have to see what happens kind of during the week. There's only really one game to cover, but uh, we may be back, Eddie, you know, with Murray. You just don't know what's going to happen. He may pull a rabbit out of the hat during the All-Star weekend.
0: Yeah, well, knowing and, our luck, uh, it'll be right after we finish recording the podcast. So,
1: Yes, which that has happened to us a couple times this year. Uh, but with that, we thank you for all your support and the fan questions. Um, and we'll be back, uh, you know, if not next week, obviously shortly after uh, anything big happens with the Ducks. And let's go Ducks.